Up next, Rob Smith is problematic. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Hold those turkeys tight and get the mashed potatoes under lockdown. The powers that be are waging a war on Thanksgiving. This is Rob Smith's problem. So yes, there is a war on Thanksgiving. I never thought that I would be one of these crazy right-wing political commentators that is talking about the war that the powers that be want to have on your household and want to have on Thanksgiving, but it is an actual reality. These people want to control every aspect of your entire life. And yes, there is a war on Thanksgiving. The war on Thanksgiving is coming from all of these leftist leaders that are telling you, don't have people over. They want you to sacrifice your holiday. They want you to be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, fear, fear, fear. That's all they have. Don't have Thanksgiving with your families. Don't invite people over. If you listen to Governor Newsom of California, he probably wants you to put on your mask in between bites of food. These people are ridiculous. They are completely insane and do not listen to them. But they will tell you to do all of these things while actively going about their own lives and having Thanksgiving with their own families, because you know they are. Uh, you know, look, they'll lie to the press and, and they'll lie in, in these um, press conferences and they'll do all this stuff, but you know that they're having Thanksgiving dinners with their families. They just don't want you to because they want to feel important by controlling you. And look, guys, this is not about COVID-19 any longer. I'm not entirely sure if it ever really was, but it stopped being about COVID-19. This is not about a virus that has a 99.99% survival rate among those under 70 and a 95% survival rate among people over 70. That ship has sailed. That ship is so far gone. This is a power grab. This is a power grab from leftist leadership that these people, the Lori Lightfoots and the Governor Newsoms and, and the Phil Murphys of the world and the Gretchen Whitmers, my goodness, uh, she's awful. So to these people, they're not afraid of their constituents. Actually, these are, are safely democratic places and in, in, in Democrat districts. So they know that Democrats on the left, they are good little sheep who exist to be told what to do by people that they elected in office. It's bizarre and it's weird. And I don't really know what to do with it. But this is a power grab, plain and simple. And that is what these people are doing. So I brought up Gavin Newsom a little bit earlier. So, so think about Governor Gavin, Gavin Newsom. Like the governor of California has had a, a, a very charmed political career from decades, spanning decades, because, you know, the guy is this good looking guy. He's very attractive. He's tall. He's handsome. He's got a great head of hair. The left, literally, they demand nothing more of, of these idiots but to be good looking. Actually, look at Beto. Beto's good looking. There's this Asif who looks like he like literally just graduated from high school. They're trying to run that that asshole for Senate uh, down, in, <laughs> down in Georgia. So these people, what they have in common is that they're good looking and, and people on the left love to be told what to do by, by good looking men, apparently. So anyway, Gavin Newsom, he got gets caught at dinner with multiple people from multiple households with, with no masks. This was a dinner in Napa Valley. I think it was called French Laundry. It's very fancy, very frou-frou. So gets caught at dinner. We never would have known this. So the word got out that he was at the dinner. And then he said, oh, well, you know, it was outside. We were socially distanced, all of that stuff. And then the photos come out. So the photos uh, from somebody took a picture of Gavin Newsom at dinner with 
All of these lobbyists, nobody's wearing a mask. You've got multiple households. You've got him breaking his own rules. It is always do as I say, not as I do. I personally don't care that Gavin Newsom, a grown adult male who, if he got COVID, if he ever gets COVID, it's he's not probably not even going to be hospitalized. You know, the, the numbers tell us that if this man gets COVID, he's going to be fine. Look, he's a, he's a fit, good looking dude. What I care about is the fact that he is actively engaging in this while destroying the economy of the, the his constituents in California and wagging his finger at these people and then lies about it. If this photo had never came out, he would have gotten away with the lie. It is always do as I say, not as I do. And I, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm less offended by the fact that he was at the dinner than I am by the fact that, number one, he tells everybody else that, that they need to be locked down and we have to put our masks on in between bites. Um, but I'm also uh, offended by the, the those jeans that he was wearing to a $300 plate dinner. I mean, God, you, you know, you just, you, you think this guy, look, he's coming to California, you think he'd have a little bit more fashion sense than that it looked awful. But According to Newsom's mentor, Willie Brown, and you know, Willie Brown, this is legendary in, uh, in California politics. You, you can go ahead and ask Kamala Harris about Willie Brown, <laughs> but we're not going to do that here anyway. So Willie Brown does a interview with the San Francisco Cop Chronicle. And, you know, he's saying all the right stuff. Willie Brown is, is apparently Gavin Newsom's mentor. And he's saying all the right things. Oh, Gavin Newsom, oh, he's done so much to help navigate through COVID, you know, all this other stuff. But what he says at the end, and, and I quote you, I hear the wine bill was $12,000. A $12,000 wine bill. I've never, like, look, guys, I've never had a $12,000 meal in my life, let alone sit at a, at a meal where the wine bill was $12,000. That is infuriating. This should infuriate you. It definitely infuriates me. And it's not this in, it's, it's not the, the envy that he's at this fancy dinner, that he's with these people, that he's got a $12,000 wine bill. Look, I like, you know, I have fancy taste sometimes too. You know, look, I bought myself a, a Versace shirt. I love it. I mean, look, I, I, I worked hard. You know, we, we all are allowed to treat ourselves. But you can't do that as somebody that is an alleged leader while your constituents are hurting and while you're telling them to do the exact opposite of what you're doing. So this should infuriate you. It, it infuriates me. And it's not so much, I'm not the angry ranting type of dude. I just want these people out of our lives. I want these people to stop telling us what to do. And people on the streets are infuriated. I want you to listen to what this group of people had to say in New Jersey when they found Governor Murphy having a dinner outside with his family. And I'm going to tell you, the language is a little harsh, but I want you to listen to this. Oh my God, it is. Hey, how you oh doing? Oh my God, Murphy, you're you such a dick. You're having you fun are... with your family. In the meantime, you're having all kind of other bullshit oh, going on. Hell yeah. Oh, you drunk? No, no, I'm not drunk, as a matter of fact. Can you put your mask on? You can go fuck yourself. How's that? Well, I don't, don't need a fucking mask. mask on. You know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing like fucking Trump, wrong with me. I like your Trump phone You're case. You're fucking right. Guess who Trump likes? He likes my dad. Yeah, yeah, he do, no, he doesn't like your oh, phone. Oh, he does. He does. Get the fuck out of here. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Get the fuck out of here. You know what? Come on. 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 Come on.
go up to Phil Murphy and his family while they're eating dinner and, and speak to him in the way that these people did? No. Would I use some of that language? No. Do I completely understand why they're absolutely furious and upset and mad? Absolutely. Absolutely I do. And people need to realize that this is what's going on. And what I can't understand, the craziest thing to me about everything that's going on is that now this whole this whole coronavirus thing and this whole idea that we're supposed to listen to these assholes like Murphy and and, and Gretchen Whitmer and Newsom, this idea has has become a left or right thing. And I hate that because to me, it's not a left or a right thing. It is a common sense thing. And I cannot understand why people on the left are so just into the idea that these assholes are just going to tell them what to do and you know that they're going to be going out living their lives, having, look, $12,000 wine bills and, and going out to do with their family um, like, like Phil Murphy did. And so California and New York and the rest of the shitholes that are run by these leftist leaders, they are headed for another lockdown. These people, when I tell you guys that COVID-19 was never about the virus, it was always about control. These people knew from the very beginning, they knew the numbers with COVID-19. They knew the numbers that I just gave you. And these are real numbers. These are, these are from the CDC. Everybody knows it. So this was always about control. And so these leftist leaders have only wanted power. And so they said, how can we use this to generate more power over these people? And so California and New York and a couple other shitholes are, are headed for another lockdown. And so this is my question, and I want you to listen to this very carefully because, because I've, I've said this to friends and some people don't get it. So I'm going to say this very slowly. If the first lockdown worked, why is there a need for a second one? If the first lockdown didn't work, why are we having another one? I asked that question to a friend of mine that is on the left, and he just did not get it. So this idea that these lockdowns are about public health and these ideas are about like, I mean, when you look in New York, I mean, uh, Cuomo and de Blasio, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They got all these color, they got the color codes and they're breaking, they're, they're shutting down the schools and they're shutting down everything. So this is not about public health anymore. This is about power. This is about a power grab. And excuse me if I get a little... And what what is the word do I want to use? Do, do I want to get a little right wing crazy? Do I want to get a little tinfoil hat? Do I want to get a little conspiracy theorist? If you indulge me in a little bit of the conspiracy theorist for a little bit, this is how you lead societies into socialism, basically. You get them used to being under complete government control. You get them used to getting a certain amount of money from the government. Because by the way, I don't know if you guys still realize, in New York City, um, and I know people who are going through this, and this is not a judgment on these people at all. People in New York, if you have earned a certain amount of money and you got laid off and you're in unemployment right now, plus the extended, you're getting almost $4,000 a month to, to do nothing. And this is a very real thing. And like I said, I don't judge these people. I have done unemployment before. I have been laid off before. It has happened. Before I became an entrepreneur and decided to take my life into my own hands and I was at the mercy of companies, I have been laid off before. But what you have here is you're getting people used to sitting at home and getting a certain amount of money. And for places like California and New York, and, and as somebody that lived in New York for 12 years, New York is basically a socialist state right now. So they're getting used to this stuff. And I think the conspiracy, 
the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that this is a part of a plan to get people that are in these states and in these cities used to um, this socialist ideology. That's why you have somebody like AOC. She's called, she comes from this, and this is what they push forth. So even outside of all that, and, and thank you for indulging my, my tin hattery a little bit. Maybe it's not as crazy as it seems. Maybe we're all a little nutty. I don't know. Maybe the uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 is making us all a little nutty. But the war on Thanksgiving, and the war that these people are waging on the right for you to do what you do in your own home is really a war on your autonomy and the freedom you have to make the choices that are right for you and your family. Because leftists and the anti-freedom regressive left hate freedom. They want to be told what to do. They want the ruling class that they make iconic with Vanity Fair covers and, and the blue check marks and all the rest. They want these people to tell them what to do. And they want to use that smug sense of superiority to tell you what to do. I had drinks with a friend over the weekend. Uh, yes, because I had drinks with a friend over the weekend because I live my life and I encourage you all to do the same while being aware that COVID, I'm not a COVID denier. COVID is very real. I encourage you to make the decisions that are right for you. I've lived in Florida for six months. Everything is outside here. I have drinks with friends outside. It is a thing that I do. So I'm having drinks with this friend, gay guy, and there's a friend of his that has not left the house since mid-March. Can you imagine that there are people out here that really have not left their home? They have done everything that MSNBC and, and, and the rest of these idiots have told them to do. And I'm talking to this guy. He's telling me about his friend. And he's like, this guy is going crazy. He goes, at, he's like, this guy's going crazy. He, he, like, this is on some, like, Howard Hughes shit, okay? He's sanitizing all of his groceries, and he's washing his hands, and he's not going anywhere. And it's, it's sad. It, it, these people are becoming, it, it's a mental illness. Because people need to be around each other. And like I said, I'm not a COVID denier. I'm not here to tell you that it's fake or not to wear a mask or any of that stuff. What I'm saying is that at this point, there's becoming no logical end to the amount of power and influence these leftist leaders want over your lives to the point that they feel comfortable telling you what to do inside your own home on Thanksgiving. This is not okay. And you need to resist these people and their horrific ideas with every fiber of your being. Because if you roll over on this, we have no idea what they're going to want to do next. And what of our wonderful ruling class? Well, they had this amazing idea to defund the police. And now we're getting an idea of what that looks like in real time with hard facts. And we'll take a look at that after the break. Defund the police. All right. Defund the police is something that if you're not big up on, on far left Twitter, this is probably something that you never even heard of until this past summer when the Democrat Party decided that they were going to use the BLM riots to to get new voters and to, and to get Black people afraid and, and all ginned up, which is what they do during election years to get votes. And apparently at this point, I, I guess it worked. But we'll, look, we'll get into Biden a little bit later. But defund the police is probably something that you've never heard of before, but it got a lot of traction over the past summer 
from a lot of far left activists. And I'm going to read you something from uh, Rich Lowry in the New York Post. Brilliant guy. He wrote an op-ed about this that, that perfectly goes into what we're going to talk about a little bit. And this is from him, from Rich Lowry from the New York Post. He says, Black Lives Matter has been a stunning success in the elite culture. It won the support of almost every major institution from corporate America to sports leagues to colleges. It created a powerful, if dishonest, narrative of systemic police racism. It got invested with a nearly holy significance, such that criticizing it is considered at least a sin and perhaps a firing offense. But more important, at least for a time after the death of George Floyd in police custody in Minneapolis, it won the goodwill of a clear majority of Americans. To take this position of strength and use it primarily to associate your allies with a politically radioactive position requires extraordinary strategic folly and heedless ideological fanaticism. BLM had both an ample supply. This is brilliant because this is exactly what happened with defund the police. Defund the police got used to completely slaughter Democrats down ballot. Republicans flipped 12 seats at this point. And I think that there are still a couple of races that, that are too close to call at this point. But the defund the police stuff, this is not just scare tactic stuff. This is not just what, what right-wing crazies, quote unquote, like me, use to, to scare people into, into voting against you know far-left Democrats, uh, quote unquote. I, I say far-left, I don't like progressive. I don't like these are regressive ideas. They're awful ideas. And I don't think that we should even use the language that they use for this stuff. This stuff is not, a, not progressive. It is regressive. It is far-left. It's, it's dangerous. And what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis is what happens when far left Twitter slogans come off the hashtags and into the real world and they actually get enacted. I was on the ground in Minneapolis post the George Floyd riots. I did a GoFundMe where I raised from the support of a lot of wonderful people, like the people that are probably listening to this right now. We raised $130,000 to help build back the small businesses that were destroyed during the BLM George Floyd riots. If you watch my social media, there was a, about a, a hundred thousand plus was donated to something called the Lake Street Council, and they disseminate all of those funds to small businesses. There was money that was given to church. It was like it, it's all there on my on my Twitter. So so you guys helped make that happen. So I went to Minneapolis and I saw what it looked like on the ground after these riots. First of all. Post George Floyd. And, you know, th this thing about George Floyd, this man that you're, you're not allowed to say that George Floyd was a career criminal. You're not allowed to say that he held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach. This is very true. Candace Owens brought that up and she got the, it, the hell rained down on her when she said that a couple months back. But it's true. It's all true. All right. This is George Floyd. While George Floyd, nobody deserves, deserves to die. And also, those police officers didn't kill George Floyd. George Floyd had fentanyl and meth in his system, and there was a lot going on with his heart, and, and that's what the autopsy said. And I got into that in some previous episodes, so definitely get into that episode. Um, but that's another one of those things that you're not allowed to say. Anyway, but, you know, George Floyd, gold casket. Um, I, Tiffany Haddish was at his funeral. I get, like, crying over that. It was just very, like, it was just a very bizarre moment in America. We've had some very weird moments this year, and, and that was one of the more strange ones. But anyway, so 
Minneapolis becomes a flashpoint for the Black Lives Matter quote-unquote protests. And by protests, I mean people destroying the entire city. And, you know, the, the BLM and the activists on the ground, they think that it's a good idea to defund the police. And, and we're going to see what this looks like in action. So this weak, their weak little mayor named Jacob Fry, along with the city council in June, cut their police budget by $14 million. I'm going to give you some facts here. So in June, the city council of Minneapolis cut their police budget by $14 million. Since then, more than 100 officers have left the police force. This is twice the normal attrition rate. Two classes of cadets have been scrapped this year. Now, what does that mean for Minneapolis? What does that actually lead to happening? Well, I'm going to tell you, and this is according to police data, all right? More than 500 people have been shot in Minneapolis this year. This is twice as many as in 2019. Murders are up more than 50%. So far this year, there have been nearly 5,000 violent crimes, the most in the past five years. So what we are seeing with what is actually happening on the ground in Minneapolis is what happens when far-left slogans that sound really great for AOC to say, and Alana Omar, and the squad, and, you know, all of these, all of these other little idiots that, that want to be like them, and all of these other little leftist, quote-unquote, journalists who think that it's their job to, to use whatever position they have in the journalism and media industry to, to push this far-left crap. And, and, you know, they're, they're, they're being used as, as much as, you know, AOC and the squad are being used, but at least AOC and the squad get, you know, the fame and the power and all that. I, I don't know what these little media people that claim to take it upon themselves to push this, I don't know what they get out of it, but whatever. This is what happens when this stuff becomes a reality for people in real America. So, so defund the police is not just a hashtag. People want this. As AOC said, when they say defund the police, they mean defund the police. And you cannot backtrack from this. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube you can't backtrack from this. And like Rich put so eloquently in that New York Post op-ed that I shared with you, Democrats and, and people down ballot and even Joe Biden, anybody else, they cannot get away from this now. And I say this all the time with the fringes, and there's some fringes on the right side as well. And I was, ha I was having a conversation, this is a private conversation I was having with, with a friend the other day who's in this field as well and who's a very front-facing person. And we had talked about the fact that you really do have to watch your association with fringe things and fringe people. So defund the police is fringe. This is not a mainstream idea, and this is not a mainstream idea that is being pushed by mainstream people. This is being pushed by a far-left fringe. And the problem with everything that's going on right now is that we have made this normal. We have elevated, and the media and everybody else and even people on the right have elevated AOC and the squad and all of these idiots to a point to where this stuff sounds mainstream, and it, it is mainstream. But these people losing their lives and living in more violent places, that's not mainstream. That's not something we should be advocating for. That's not something we should be pushing for. And I think that people in America are, are starting to get the memo because America is not Twitter. America is not the cover of Vanity Fair. America is not Hollywood celebrities. America is very real. And real people, 
real citizens have decided that they don't want this stuff. They have voted against it and they will continue to vote against it. So what happens to these cities? And we talk about cities. I was on book tour a couple of weeks back and I was uh, I was in Jesus Christ. I call, it, I call it the, the shithole world tour. But I, I was in and I don't say this. I, no disrespect to anybody that lives in the, the big cities, but guys, they're awful. And they're always going to be like that. So what do you do to it? I was in New York. I was in Atlanta. I was in D.C. These places are terrible. These places are awful. New York is awful. Atlanta was terrible. D.C. was horrific. (laughs) And what are you supposed to do with that? But you have to realize that what happens when you keep pushing this rhetoric and what happens when you normalize the defund the police stuff is what happens in Minneapolis right now is happening, is what happens. What happens in New York right now that you're not seeing a lot of stuff come out in the mainstream media because mainstream media hides it. What's happening in New York City right now, New York is more violent. New York has cops that are quitting. They're like, you can't pay them enough to do this stuff. And you'll see a little bit more. It's getting colder in New York, so you'll see less of people running around the streets. But look, what we saw this summer in Minneapolis and the BLM protests and all that stuff, we will see this from these shithole leftist cities every summer in perpetuity. This is just some stuff. It is just going to happen. And it will certainly continue to happen as long as they're getting unemployment money and as long as their leaders are actively destroying the economies. So this is what you're going to see. You're going to see people being disrespectful to police officers. You're going to see people all over the streets. You're going to see people rioting. You're going to see, I mean, this is just what happens. So the only thing we can do, honestly, I'm, I'm telling you, and I lived in New York City for 12 years. And I was done with it. And I just had to let it go. I loved what that city was. It was great for being when I was young. But I just realized that the people that continue to be elected in these places will never change because they will continue to get bailed out. And when you talk about bailouts, the reason why so many of these people wanted Joe Biden so badly to become president of the United States is because he and this alleged administration that is coming in, they will bail out New York. They will bail out Illinois. They will bail out California. These these places have billions of dollars in deficits. And they keep on spending and they will get bailed out with your tax dollars. And that is why they wanted Joe Biden in the presidency so bad. But like I said, this is the fun, the police thing and all this stuff about what's happening in Minneapolis right now. This is what happens when far left slogans become reality for people in America. And we're not talking about politicians in D.C., we're not talking about Hollywood celebrities. We're talking about real Americans that are living in these cities trying to make a way forward. I don't know what the answer to it is, but I do know that anybody that is against this stuff and anybody that wants to even have a tangential interest in saving these cities, we're on the right path because Democrats are running scared from this to fund the police stuff. Throw it around their necks. Make it an albatross to the left. Make it something that they cannot run away from. I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago. I was gone for the weekend and I ran into, I'm not sure if I told this story before, but I'll keep it short. A leftist, uh, a leftist liberal guy that I knew from New York, we had a conversation and I am very curious about what people think about things. I, I, talk, I talk to liberals all the time. I'm curious. And I just kept asking the question, what does he fund the police help? What does he fund the police help? What does he fund the police help? He can answer it. Because they know it's bullshit. 
but throw it around their necks. Don't let them get away from it. And if you throw it around their necks, push it. You don't let them get away from it. You don't let them escape. You don't let them wriggle out of it. And you look and you throw it, throw it in people's faces exactly what is going on. It's the only way you can fight it. It's the only way you can end it. And the down ballot Republicans that have flipped these seats, they've gotten the memo. That's why some of the quote unquote moderate Democrats are running scared from this. Do not let them run scared from defund the police. We've been talking a lot about Joe Biden and the fact that this will likely be a Biden administration. And after the break, I, I want to break down why I think that, why I am operating in that capacity right now. And we're going to talk about what the media is going to do in a post-Trump world. It is not going to be pretty for some of them. And I'll, I'll tell you how after the break. First of all, guys, let me be clear about something. Let's just all assume that Donald Trump has lost the election. Let's assume that they do not have the goods to overturn the election results. And that could be for a lot of different reasons. And you saw that you you listened to the episode that I did with the election is not over. This is not giving up on Trump. This is operating in facts and reality. And the reality of the situation is that there were a lot of failures that happened on a lot of different levels in the Republican Party that allowed what happened to happen. And I'm sure you guys follow enough people on Twitter to get a sense of exactly what I'm talking about. Perhaps I will do an episode in the future and I will literally, I will do an episode called How the GOP Lost the 2020 Presidential Election. And I'll break it down for you guys. But even outside of all of that, we're going to operate under the assumption that they don't have the goods to overturn the election results, that Biden will get in. And so that's what I'm going to do right now. We're going to speculate about exactly what will happen. And I have to be honest with you guys. I respect every single person that listens to this podcast. I respect this audience. You are not stupid. You are not conspiracy theorists. Nor am I. You know as well as I do that even though there are some anomalies that absolutely need to be checked out and that absolutely need to be addressed and that absolutely need to be questioned. And of course we have to talk about it. Of course we have to lay it out. Of course we have to see what, what Sidney Powell has to present to the lawyers. Of course we have, to, we have to do all that stuff. But Biden will likely be the president, okay? I have come to terms with this. Like this election, there's been a lot of stuff. And guys, look, you think, you, you think this is hard for you I was out here on the road, like advocating, like doing Trump pride events, doing rallies. Like I was in Hawaii. I was in everywhere. I was like more or less on the campaign trail without being an official you know, member of the campaign. So I put, I put a lot of myself into this as well. And there's a lot of people that, that did as well. And fundamentally what happened is that there are a lot of things that the GOP as a whole did that allowed them to lose this election. And we will talk about it. And we will talk about the GOP and the RNC, and we'll talk, we'll get into all of this stuff because they need to be read because there's a lot of people that couldn't get their heads out of their asses when it comes to the RNC, when it comes to the GOP, when it comes to all of this other stuff. And that's why it was lost. But look, guys, if the idea or if me saying that that Biden will likely be president, this offends you or like, hey, like if you need to like unfollow me or say that you're not going to listen to me anymore because like I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you because you're giving blah, blah, like, look, guys, 
if you want to do that because you really need to be in like this echo chamber go be in that echo chamber because i'm not the guy for you and and i honestly do wish you well if you need that go be there i don't want us to do that here i respect you guys i respect your intelligence i'm going to give it to you straight i'm going to give it to you straight when the democrats fuck up and I'm going to give it to you straight when republicans fuck up all right so I just had to put that out there. Do what you will with it. So what are my predictions for, for a pro, post-Trump media world? First of all, um, and let's just get into to the fun stuff. CNN and MSNBC are going to go down the toilet in ratings and relevance. They are trash. They have been trash. They will be completely irrelevant in a post-Trump world because CNN and MSNBC, number one, look, neither of these networks have done news. For a long time, they have provide. They have provided. What did they provide? They they provided a, a big warm hug to the resistance, to people that needed to define themselves completely by being in opposition to President Donald Trump. They needed a villain, and Trump provided them that villain. They didn't need to do any real work or have any real conversations about the big issues that were going on. By the way, the big issues that will go on, you know, post January and that have gone on over the past four years because they're not interested in that. They didn't need to do any real reporting. The only thing they needed to do is be anti-Trump all the time. It was all orange man bad all the time on MSNBC and CNN. And that's all they needed to do because their audience are fools. Um, their audience are fools. They played these people for fools. They played them for absolute idiots. Jeff Zucker, who runs CNN, he's the one who made it anti-Trump. He, he's the one who made it Trump derangement syndrome network. He's on his way out at CNN by mid-2021. Jeff Zucker has made all of his money, okay? And his legacy will be whatever he did to CNN. He's out of here. He's out the door. The legacy is that he made a lot of money for CNN and he made stars out of, out of these never Trump people like like Don Lemon and, 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 and uh, news bimbo Chris Cuomo. And <laughs> I love Chris Cuomo. Yeah, uh, I, I saw Chris Cuomo. I think I've said this before, but I saw him referred to as news bimbo Chris Cuomo. And I just never forgot. I think it's hysterical. Um, I Chris Cuomo, the thing about Chris Cuomo, I have like this love-hate relationship with him because he's actually very attractive. <laughs> And I hate watching sometimes. This is like, look, guys, I'm, I'm a gay guy. This is what happens. You know, people on the left. Um, I have Look, I have fans on the left that like follow me and watch my stuff because they think I'm attractive. And they tell me all the time. It just is what it is. But anyway, um, my, my attraction to Quiz Cuomo, my inexplicable attraction to Quiz Cuomo notwithstanding. Um, so Jeff Zucker made a lot of money for CNN and he made stars out of these never Trump people like, like Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. Look, but when there's a new sheriff in town that wants to run CNN like a real news network and, and this person wants to get back to the news and they want to get back to whatever CNN was in a post-Trump world, these people are going to tune out. If they cover a Biden presidency with even a hint of the resistance and the aggression with which they covered Trump, people are going to tune out because at this point, People were only watching because they needed their hatred of Trump reflected to them by a news network. And it's the same way with MSNBC. And MSNBC is going to do even worse. MSNBC was in even bigger trouble than CNN. And minus Trump, MSNBC goes back to what is Joe Scarborough going to do? What is the morning Joe? What are these idiots going to do in the morning when they, they don't have their pearls to clutch over the waist? 
in which Donald Trump has subverted our democracy and destroyed our cultural norms. Oh my God. Like, what are they going to do? Like, what the fuck are they going to talk about on Morning Joe when Trump isn't in the White House anymore? So look, these people and their relevancy is going to, to wane. It, it is going to go away. Um, and when you look at the Don Lemons of the world, and Don Lemon is always a curious case because, like, honestly, look, I've, I, look, I, I've met Don Lemon a couple of times. He's he's as nice as a media person can be, um, I, I guess. I think that before um, Don Lemon became anti-Trump and he became a woke warrior, Don Lemon tended towards being conservative. Don, no more conservative than me. Um, Don Lemon said things like, black men, pull up your pants. Don Lemon said things like, um, fatherlessness is an issue in black Twitter and woke Twitter hated him for it. They, they used to call him, you know, they used to call him uncle Tom. They used to call him Mike and Wendy, all the stuff that they say to black conservatives. It'll be very interesting to see if he develops a real voice or if he just continues to be a woke warrior. I find I, I've never hated Don Lemon. I just find him completely fascinating. Um, and Don Lemon, like, look, this is a typical journalist. They'll do whatever their puppet masters tell them to do. His puppet master was, was Jeff Zucker at the time. And, and the puppet master said to be anti-Trump. So, so Don Lemon was anti-Trump. So, you know, when there's a new sheriff in town and there's a new puppet master in town, then, uh, you know, he'll pull Lemon's strings and, and we'll see what that turns into. But even outside of, of, of the trash that is MSNBC and, and CNN, um, because they're trash and they'll continue to be trash. I think that conservative media, on a brighter note, conservative media is going to absolutely explode. And I'm seeing it already. Um, there's an audience that wants real opinion and real facts from a right-leaning perspective. This idea that the vast majority of people are as, as left-leaning and as far left as, as, as MSNBC and CNN, that's not, it's never been true. A lot of the stuff that you see on these left-leaning networks are vastly out of, uh, out of, out of what normal people think. Um, and out of what polling suggests and all that stuff. So conservative media is going to explode. And, and like, look, Fox isn't enough. Fox is always going to be the mothership. I love being on Fox. And look, and it's another thing, speaking to the audience, like, look, like guys, you know, if you're going to be on my tweets, be like, oh, God, I can't, don't watch Fox anymore. And I'm not going to watch you on it. And I'm going to hate you and I'll follow you. Like, guys, come on. No, Fox is the mothership. Fox isn't going anywhere. But the good thing is that there's Newsmax and there's One America. There's digital networks like The First that I'm a contributor to. There's a lot of different talent on The First. Buck Sexton, great guy. Listen to his podcast. He's great. And actually, um, a pretty decent human being, <laughs> which is kind of hard to find um, in conservative media. It's shockingly hard to find with some of these folks. But there are tons of options. And there are tons of opinions, and these voices will only get bigger in a potential Biden administration. So I, I think that conservative media is going to absolutely explode. I think that these voices, these MAGA voices that came into prominence and into relevance during the Trump era, the, these voices are not going to go away. They're just going to be refined. The agenda is going to be refined. What does is, what is a MAGA agenda look like um, in a post-Trump world? It, it's going to be this you know, and before I say this, was this my goal? No, I wanted freaking four more years of President Trump. I've got a Trump Keep America Great refrigerator magnet on my refrigerator. Look, it ain't coming down. <laughs> All right. I, I think that there were some amazing things and there were things that I'm not at liberty to say that things that were told to me by in confidence by people that are very high up in charge. And it's been some great stuff. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that we are likely not to see what that administration looks like. 
But the reality of the world and the reality of what's going on is that you, you always keep pushing forward and there's going to be issues to talk about. There's going to be stuff that happens that is going to be awful. And there's going to be some things that happen that are going to be good. And I have to have the space to say that. You know, there were a lot of people on the left. Van Jones got a lot of crap because, you know, and Van Jones is a, is a left, you know, he's like a woke warrior and he's a leftist icon, a left icon and all that stuff. And when he would say that Donald Trump did good things, he get bashed by the left. And I, and I remember talking to Van about this one time. We were on a panel for the great Senator Tim Scott for African-American History Month. And we talked about it. Like, it was like, man, look, I don't even... You know, the people, they say they're going to unfollow and they say they're going to do that, whatever. But, you know, you just have to keep it moving and you just have to be true to yourself and true to what your perspective is and what your goals are. Um, that's not to say that Trump is going anywhere, because the thing about it is, is that this man and, and his agenda and what he has created will be a force in Republican politics and conservative politics for decades to come. But right now, at this moment, there's an opportunity for a lot of people from the Trumps on down and people that are in conservative media, there's an opportunity for us to use our voices and to red pill so many people. There are going to be so many people who thought that their lives were awful because of Trump. And they're going to look back and they're going to realize that their lives were not bad during the Trump era. They were just being told that their lives were bad. And they're going to get a real kick in the ass during a potential Biden administration because they're going to see the effects of these policies on their actual lives. And so people like me have to be there with the red pill to get them red pilled so that they know in the future we need more liberals turn conservative, more Democrats turn Republicans, because that's the only way that, that we're going to maintain and that we're going to keep on fighting for the future of America. And that's what it is. And what about me? What, 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 is, what is Rob Smith going to do? Uh, well, look, I am going to be right here. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on being problematic because this movement that, that Trump has built and will continue to build and will continue to be a major part of, by the way, was always bigger than him. He was the symbol of the movement. He's the figurehead. He's the CEO. He's the big guy. But all of us are what remains. And all of us are going to keep fighting for the future of America. Thanks so much to my sponsors. Please support them so we can bring the show to you for free. Visit my show page at robsmithisproblematic.com and please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so other people can learn what the show is about, be introduced to me, all of these problematic thoughts, and introduced to our community of problematics. Thanks to producer Stephen Calabria and researcher Aaron Kleekman and executive producers Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.